0: I am so excited because we are continuing our series that we began a few weeks back on the principles of powerful prayer. This is something that uh, God has really been teaching me a lot about, and so you're just kind of uh, listening uh, listening in on some of the things that God is teaching me about prayer and about the importance of prayer. And I'm just convinced the more I learn about prayer, the more I read God's word and dig deep into what he says about this, I'm just convinced that prayer is one of the fundamental elements of our faith, that God really works not only in our life as individuals, but also in the world around us through prayer, that when we come together as the people of God, lifting up our voices to our Lord and Savior, there is no limit what he can do. And oftentimes, God is waiting for his people to call out to him, If we want revival, if we want something just amazing to happen in our lives, in our church, in our communities, I believe that God is waiting for his people to get serious about prayer. And so that's why I'm so excited about this series. I'm so excited of what God's already done and what he's going to continue to do uh, as we continue to dive deep into this topic. Now, we've already said, just kind of a recap for those who are maybe are just joining us or just a a refresher of what we've covered so far. Uh, When we began this series, the first principle of power. Powerful prayer that we saw was that prayer is about your relationship with God, not about what you can get from God. We said that this was the foundation to all of our prayers, that if you ever approach prayer by, uh, seeking what you can get from God, you're already starting on the wrong foot. That if you want to be powerful in your prayers, if you want to call out to God and know that he hears you and know that he is working in your life, even when you can't see his hand moving, then you need to approach God, not from what you can get from him, but just to draw close to him, just to know him a little bit better and just to open your heart to him. Prayer is about a relationship. Our faith is about a relationship. It's not about what you can get. It's about who you can get to know. And that's, what, and that's what we need to start with our prayer. And then last week, we, we saw the second principle of powerful prayers, and that is that your prayers are as strong as your weakest relationship. We said that uh, our faith is about relationships. In fact, that's what we see in the first and second uh, greatest commandments uh, that Jesus told us, that the first one is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And we saw that uh, in our first principle about how it's a relationship with God. And then Jesus said the second greatest uh, commandment is linked to that. He says you need to love one another as yourself. And so we need to understand that God in his infinite wisdom has joined our prayer life and our relationship with him with our relationship with one another. And so if I have a problem with you or you have a problem with me, that can uh, oftentimes hinder our prayer life. And so if you want to be powerful in your prayers, you need to uh, look deep down in your heart, look at the relationships you have in your life, and ask yourself, is there any relationship where I need to go and build bridges and make amends with that other person? Even if they're the ones who have hurt me, is there anything within my power to where I can grant them forgiveness, where I can begin uh, opening the doors uh, for them to reestablish that relationship together? Um, You're not going to be able to fix every relationship, but as much as it depends on you, you need to try to be a peacemaker uh, in those relationships, and that's going to affect your uh, prayer life. Now, Today, as we continue this discussion, we're going to come to the third principle and powerful prayer. And this one is really important, but it's also incredibly practical. It's a difficult topic for us to kind of get into because uh, the people that this principle and prayer is really going to speak to the most are people who are really hurting and need an answer to their prayers. And the principle is this, that when you persevere in prayer, you invite change. Now, the reason why I say this is a kind of a difficult topic is because when you persevere in prayer, oftentimes it's because you desperately need to hear from God. You desperately need Him to move in your life. You know, oftentimes we can just shoot up little uh, sporadic prayers here and there. We can ask for this and that. It doesn't really mean a lot because we just ask once and then we move on with our life. If it's answered, great. If it's not, we really don't—it uh, doesn't really matter to us. But I'm willing to, uh, to believe that there are some people here today who you have some needs in your life, you have some some burdens on your heart, and you've been carrying them around for quite a while, and you desperately need God to move in that area of your life. Maybe you've been praying to God for quite a while for him to move in a relationship, maybe to provide for a need, maybe to heal some kind of wound, whatever it may be. You desperately need God to step in in this area of your life. And he hasn't yet. And you're on the verge of giving up. You're on the verge of losing faith. You're on the verge of just quitting altogether. And I would encourage you, don't give up. Continue to persevere. Because oftentimes the greatest answers of prayer, the greatest times when God moves in our life and just shows up and shows out in a powerful way is when he sees that his children are serious about what they're praying about. And he sees that when we persevere, when we keep going, when in the face of daunting circumstances, we keep pushing forward in our prayers. And he says, they're serious about this. This is something that's weighing on their heart. So I'm going to move on their behalf. And so as we continue this uh, uh, series, I want you to be thinking about what is that one thing in your life that you desperately, desperately want God to move in. And I want you to keep that in the forefront of your thoughts as we go through yet another instruction from our Lord and Savior on how we can be powerful in our prayers. If you have your copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to turn to the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11, and here uh, we see in the verses just preceding what we're going to spend the most, uh, the bulk of our time on today, we see that the disciples have asked Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus gives them the model prayer, here's what it needs to look like when you're praying, and he he gives a laundry list of things that we need to include in our prayers. But then he goes on, and we're going to start in verse 5 of Luke 11, and we're going to see a number of uh, things that you, when you persevere in prayer, that change in your life. Starting in verse 5, it says this, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to, the, go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend... Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Now I want to pause there for just a moment before we get into the the crux of what Jesus is about to illustrate here. And I'm sure many of you have had a situation where someone stops by your house unexpectedly, and you're dashing around trying to clean up, trying to straighten up, trying to get things ready for them. Maybe you had a friend or a relative who stops by and uh, maybe is planning on standing. They give you a last-minute uh, notice about it, and you're rushing to get everything ready, making sure you have uh, enough food, enough whatever it is that you need for their visit. As much as we like to uh, be hospitable, as much as we like to get things ready for guests, we can. Um, it's hard for us to imagine uh, the burden that people in this culture had when it comes to hospitality. We think that we can be hospitable, but this was the hallmark of their culture. It, it was such of prominent importance that not only would this individual who is uh, receiving this uh, unexpected guest not only was it his honor at stake here, but it would have been the honor of the entire village at stake. Uh, Pastor Darrell uh, last week was preaching a message through the book of Judges, and he uh, spoke about uh, an individual who came into a town to uh, to rest from his long journey, and he was going to have to stay there in the open square, but someone invited him into his house to, to uh, uh, keep uh, him, and to protect him, and to provide for him, and in the course of the evening, uh, some really horrible things happened, and the person of the house had to do everything and anything within his power to protect his guests, because in this culture, the safety and the provision of your guests was of paramount importance. You were to protect them even if, if, even if it meant costing your own life, okay? And so, This person who is receiving this guest, he has to do any and everything he possibly can do do to provide. And so this guest comes over. He rushes around to all of his friends, all of his neighbors to find if anyone has anything that he can provide for his guest. Because not only is it his his, uh, honor and his family's honor, but the honor of the entire village that is wrapped up in whether or not he can provide and protect for this coming visitor. Now notice what it says in verse 7. And he will answer from within, this is the neighbor uh, that is being approached now for the provisions, and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Now, in that culture, a lot of uh, the dwellings, especially if you were uh, in the lower class of society, you didn't have multiple rooms. You didn't have the master suite, and then you had all the kids having their own bedrooms and stuff like that. Most of the time, everyone slept together. Parents, kids, sometimes even some of the livestock that would uh, be there in the house. And so this individual says, listen, it's midnight. The door has been shut. It's been bolted. We're all asleep. We're all in bed. You're banging on the door wanting me to provide for you. If I get up, everyone's going to get up. And as parents, you know that when you finally get the kids uh, down for bed and they're no longer asking for another cup of water, you don't want to wake them. You don't want to disturb them. And so he says, leave me alone. I can't help you. Go to someone else's door. But in this story that Jesus tells, the person doesn't give up. Even though they just received... Uh, a negative answer to the reply. They continue to bang and bang and bang on the door. Notice what Jesus says. He says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet—now notice this next part, and if you underline or highlight, I encourage you to do so—because of his persistence, he will rise and give to him as, uh, as many as he has need. Now, the interesting thing there, the word that I love in that, word, in that translation is persistence. Now, the interesting thing about that word is that this is the only time that this Greek word is used in all of the New Testament. The only time. Another way that it could be translated or maybe a more literal translation of what this word means is shamelessness. That this person who went to his neighbor's house in the middle of the night banging on his door willing to wake up not only him but his entire family and probably even the surrounding neighbors he was shameless in getting what he needed for his guests. Now one of the things I just want to uh, pause here for just a moment and drive home is that God is encouraging us to be persistent and dare I say, shameless in how we approach him with the things that are weighing on our hearts. So often I've heard Christians say, well, I can't pray for this because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, with everything that God has going on, surely this is a small concern. I know it's big in my life. I know this is weighing heavily on my heart. But, but do I really have the right to, to continue to, to just badger God about this? And Jesus' reply would be yes. You go and you knock on heaven's door and you keep knocking and you don't give up. Because God honors persistence. Now, why in the world would Jesus teach something like this? I mean, surely, you know, we've all experienced that annoying person who constantly uh, badgers us time and time and time and time again over the same thing. And even though we, we'd say, no, no, no. No, they keep coming back and pestering. Is, or is this teaching, is Jesus' is teaching really saying that God honors those that are pestering him for what they need? That's not what it's teaching. You know, when God gives you a clear no, then we need to take it as a no. But oftentimes God is waiting to see whether or not we're really serious about what we're praying for. You know, the interesting thing is that when we uh, persevere in what we need and what we want, it it, it separates, it really clarifies in our minds the difference between my wants and my needs. There are some things that I've prayed for just maybe once or twice and then I've forgotten all about them. And I'm so thankful God didn't grant me those requests. But then there are some things that I cannot get over. I cannot stop thinking about. It is a burden. It's weighing on me, and it's all that I can think about throughout the day. And God says, that is something that you need to come to me about, and you need to keep coming to me about. And I want to wait and see whether or not you're truly serious about this before I give you what you're asking for. I want you to ask yourself, that thing that you're praying for, how serious are you about it? What are you willing to do? What are the links that you're willing to go to see God move in that area of your life? Are you just willing to mention it once or twice in your Sunday school for a prayer request? Are you just willing to pray for it you know, every once in a while when it comes to your mind? Or is it something that's so nagging and so burden, uh, burdening to your heart you can't get over it? And if there's nothing else that you uh, can see God move in, you want, him to, you want to see him move in this area. How serious are you about God moving on your behalf? Now, I want to make sure that we're all very clear. Jesus is not saying that God is like this stingy neighbor, this selfish neighbor who's not willing to get up to help a friend. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is, if there there are people who are willing to, even if they don't want to help you, they're willing to get up if you persist, how much more so your loving Heavenly Father who loves you dearly, is he willing to move on behalf of his children who persist in their prayers? When we are persistent in our praying, we're inviting change into our life. I want you to notice uh, what he goes on to say. Notice what he says in verse nine here. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now notice this. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks receives. Finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open to you. Did you notice that it wasn't everyone who asked, it may be given to him? Everyone who knocks, the door might be opened? He says, no, it will be open. It will be given. You will find. Now the interesting thing is this, the words that are used here sometimes in, in our English translation don't really get at what's uh, going on behind the text. When it says ask, seek, and knock, it's not just a one-time asking. It's not just a one-time knock. It's not just an occasional seek. It is a word that is used uh, to convey a continual action, an ongoing action. You are asking and asking and asking. You're knocking and knocking and knocking. You are continually seeking and searching. He says when you do that, when it's a continual, persistent thing that you're doing, then you'll receive your answer. Now I want to just take a moment. Does this verse as some Christians will lead us to believe, does this verse teach that God is giving us a blank check? That as long as you keep on asking, then you'll get it? As long as you keep on seeking, you'll get whatever you want? Now, I hope that most of us are are well-versed enough in in Christian theology and and Bible knowledge to know that, or maybe just even life experience to know that God doesn't always give us what we want. He doesn't always give us what we ask for. Thankfully so. You know, uh, a few years back, Garth Brooks uh, wrote a song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. That's so true, isn't it? Can you imagine if God gave us every single thing we ever asked him for? How horrible not only our life would be, but the world would be around us. Thankfully, God doesn't do that. So what in the world is Jesus talking about? What is this promise that he seems to be making to us about persistent prayers? Well, first of all, I wanted you to pay close attention. Does it say here anywhere in the text what we receive? It just says you ask and it will be given to you. You seek and you will find. Well, what are we finding? What are we receiving? Some would say that it implies that you are getting whatever you're asking for. But the text doesn't necessarily say that. Maybe it's just you get an answer to your prayer. There have been some people that I've spoken to who've said, you know, God answers some prayers, but he doesn't answer others. And I, I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I believe that God answers every single prayer. But he doesn't always answer it the way we want. Sometimes his answer is no. Sometimes his answer is wait. Sometimes his answer is yes. Sometimes his answer is yes, you're going to get that, but it's not going to be quite what you expect. I got something better in mind. I believe that every time you go to your heavenly father, every time you persevere in prayer, every time you you lay your request before him, you are going to receive an answer. We just have to be willing to accept whatever answer he sends our way. God is going to answer your prayer. I know that some of you are sitting here today and you've prayed and prayed and prayed. Maybe there's a loved one that you know of who's walking or not even walking, running as far and as fast as they can away from God and you have been crying out to God day after day, month after month, sometimes even year after year and you still see them going away from God and you wonder what in the world is happening. God, surely this it's within your will that this person would accept you. And I'm calling out to you to please guide their circumstances, soften their heart, bring them to you, and yet you don't see anything happening. Just because you don't see God answering, I promise you, he is answering. I heard a story one time of an elderly mother who, who was brokenhearted because her son, who had grown up in church all of his life, seemed to have made a decision during vacation Bible school, but just got so far away from God, so far away from church, was just doing anything and everything he wanted to do and seemed to have abandoned all the principles and biblical teachings that she had tried to instill in him. And she began to just feel that he didn't really accept Christ. He was just going through the motions and she was praying earnestly for years and years for him to get his life right. And there were times that she was discouraged, and there were times that she just felt like it wasn't going to happen. And then one day, she went home to be with the Lord. She never saw her son except Christ. But when, she, when they had her funeral, and they, they, they told about her life, and they, they began to uh, give the gospel call there in the middle of her, of her funeral, her son, with tears coming down his eyes, Accepted Christ. Her mom, his mom, never saw what had happened, but her answered prayer did come, just not in the time, and the way, and the place that she thought. We want our prayers answered now, and the way we want them answered. But does there anywhere in this text not only is there anywhere that, that says what is given, but when it's given? Does it say that it's going to be given immediately? Does it say that you'll find it immediately? No, it doesn't. Listen, God has all eternity to answer your prayers. It's amazing and it's wonderful when he gives you an immediate yes, but sometimes he requires you to persevere in prayer. Maybe you will receive it this week. Maybe you will receive it years from now, or maybe you won't see that answered prayer until you're on the other side of eternity. But God is always faithful God is always moving on behalf of his children. And when we are finally standing face to face with him, we're not going to have any complaints about how he let us down and he didn't come through on his promises. We're going to be just amazed and, and, and speechless when we see how God has orchestrated and moved everything in our life to accomplish his great work. And it will result in just praise to him. When I look through scripture, I see time and time again individuals who persevered in prayer and God dramatically changed their circumstances. I think about Abraham. Whenever he was uh, uh, told by God as uh, God visited him about what was about to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham to uh, pray and petition and stand in the gap for his nephew Lot, he asked God time and time again, well, what about 40 people? Will you spare it for 40? What about 35? What about 30? And he kept haggling with God in his prayer to get him down to just 10. And the interesting thing that I've always thought about with that story of Abraham as he persevered with God about uh, uh, protecting the godly there in Sodom and Gomorrah is God never stopped Abraham, never said, okay, that's enough. Abraham's the one who stopped. I wonder if Abraham would have continued, would he have gotten down to five? Would he have gotten down to one? So often in our prayers, we stop when God is just inviting us to continue to come to him. I wonder how many times you have been asking and I've been asking for God to come into our lives and work in a powerful way, and we stop just shy of when God was going to do something great. I think about when Israel was marching around Jericho and God said, okay, for seven days, you're going to do this. And each day you're going to march around Jericho seven times and you're going to worship and you're going to be praying during this time. And on the seventh day, I want you to blow those trumpets. What would have happened if they stopped on the sixth day? What if they would have stopped on the seventh day, but they didn't circle it around uh, all the times that they were supposed to? What if they got tired and they said, you know what? This is ridiculous. We look ridiculous. We're going to be a laughingstock throughout the promised land. And so, guys, we can't keep doing this. And they just lost heart and walked away. Then they never would have seen God work in such a powerful way. What is that thing that is weighing on your heart? What is that thing that you're just aching to see God move in? Don't give up. You may be one prayer away from God moving in a dramatic way in your life. Don't miss out. I think about Moses. Whenever the, the armies of Israel were fighting uh, the uh, battle there in, in Israel, and Moses went up to the uh, top of the mountain and lifted up his arms. And as long as he kept his arms lifted up, Israel was winning. As soon as his arms dropped down, Israel started uh, to, to lose. And there he had Aaron and her holding up his hands for him. Do you have the spiritual stamina to keep persevering no matter what? Your battle that you are fighting right now, whatever it may be, God may be asking you, hold on, persevere, keep moving forward. And if we do that, we are inviting great change in our circumstances. I want you to notice what he goes on to say as Jesus continues to drive this point home about the importance of you and I persevering in prayer. Notice what he says here in verse 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now here's the point. The obvious uh, implication is no, you wouldn't do that. And then he drives it home. He says, if then... Being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You know, I've read that verse, I can't imagine how many times, and I've never noticed until I began preparing for this message, that little word there that he uses, giving the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So often I think of this verse as implying that, you know, uh, you give good gifts to your children, so obviously when we ask our Heavenly Father, who's a good father, he'll give what we're asking to us, but it doesn't say that. Again, we we like to think that God will give us what we ask, but anyone who's been a parent long enough knows that your children often ask for very foolish things. Things that they don't need, things that sometimes maybe even will hurt them. And here Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not going to give you anything bad. I'm not going to withhold things from you that you need. In fact, I'm going to give you the greatest thing you could possibly ever ask for. Me. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. It might not be what you're looking for, but it's exactly what you need. I began thinking through, what does the Holy Spirit do? uh, What does he do in our life? Because oftentimes, especially in, in Baptist circles, we don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. But that is a, the Holy Spirit is a, a, such a crucial part of our faith. Have we ever thought for a moment that when Jesus was crucified and when he rose again just before he ascended back to the Father, he said, Okay, guys, I'm going to send you out into the world and you're going to share the gospel to the ends of the earth, baptizing everyone in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to take life-saving news to everyone who's never heard it. I want you to tell them what you've experienced, and it's going to change their eternity. But I don't want you to do any of it until the Holy Spirit comes. I want you to wait. I want you to pray. I want you to seek the Holy Spirit. And then at the day of Pentecost, God poured out his Holy Spirit on the church and they were finally empowered for the thing that they were called to. Listen, if you want to live the Christian life, you can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to empower you, to guide you, to guide. Even our prayers uh, we see throughout the New Testament, it says, that Paul tells us, that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit teaches us what to pray. You know, when someone's hurting, and you go to them, or the pastor goes to them, it's not us that comfort other people, it's the Holy Spirit maybe working through us. When they need guidance, it's not us that are teaching people, or encouraging people, or reminding people things, it's the Holy Spirit. God knows that what we need more than anything else is, is more of him in us. And so he says, listen, I'm not going to withhold anything from you. If you're wanting something, I'm going to give it to you, and and the greatest thing I can ever give you is me. And so I'm going to pour out my spirit upon my children. As we persevere in prayer, listen, we see here that Jesus is telling us that there are two ways that persevering in prayer can change things. One, it can change your circumstances. When you persevere in prayer, God can transform your circumstances. He can soften the heart of that boss who's giving you such a hard time. He can bring uh, love back into a marriage that seems like it's gone dry. He can transform your situation to be a miracle. Or he can transform you. He can change your circumstances or he can change your heart. And oftentimes I found that we focus so much on God transforming the difficult circumstances that we're in that we totally overlook the fact that when I persevere in prayer, when I keep going to my heavenly father and I don't give up, he's doing a work in me, even if he doesn't change anything about my circumstances. That he's making me more and more like his His son. He's making me more and more like a mature child of God. And that's infinitely better than him just giving me a temporary relief from the difficulties that I'm facing here in this life. So God is going to work in your life. God is going to bring some change. Are you ready for it? And more important than that, are you willing to persevere to see it? Now what I want to do for just a moment is I want to just speak directly to two specific types of people that may be gathered here. One, one, there are people who need to persevere in in, in prayer. Maybe you've been persevering for a while and you you are in pain, you're hurting. And I just want to speak to you for a moment. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to lose heart. I want you to understand that sometimes, as C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our comfort, but he shouts to us in our pain. Even though you may be hurting, even though you may be in agony right now, whatever it may be, don't think for a moment that God has given up on you. Don't think for a moment that he's not doing something in your life, in and through the difficult circumstances that you're facing. We're facing a time right now where people are losing jobs, where people are are worried about their health, they're worried about their loved ones, they don't know what the future holds, but listen, God is working in your life. God is speaking to you right here and now if we will just tune out the rest of the world and the distractions and even the hurt that's in our own life and we'll just focus on him, he'll guide us through whatever this this life throws our way. But the other person that I want to talk to real quick are those that try to bring comfort to those that are in pain. Oftentimes, we encounter Christians who are hurting, and they've been praying and praying and praying, and we try to go to them, and we try to bring comfort to them. And one of the things that I I struggle with, and I know many Christians struggle with this as well, is we try to speak comfort to those who are hurting. But as we do so, oftentimes, we can hurt them just as much with our words. We can try to explain why they're hurting. We can try to explain why God is withholding answers or are not moving in their life. But listen, if God hasn't given a reason for it, then we need to stay silent and just be there with them. I'm always convicted when I look at the life of Job, who prayed and prayed and prayed for God to answer and didn't receive an answer. And his friends gathered and for one whole week they just sat there with him while he suffered. It was probably the best ministry they gave to him just to sit there and suffer along with him. And it wasn't until they opened their mouth that they got in trouble. Sometimes the greatest comfort you can bring to someone who is hurting, someone who's trying to persevere in prayer and they're on the verge of giving up, sometimes the best thing we can do is just sit with them and love them and suffer along with them. So I want to encourage each and every one of you, for those who are hurting, keep holding on. As God holds on to you. For those who are wanting to help those who are hurting, just be there with them. Just love them, and don't offer answers where God hasn't offered any. And I hope that you'll all take comfort in what we see, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as he suffered, as he prayed, as sometimes he received uh, no answer in prayer, he continued on in the faith, and God did amazing things in and through him. He wants to do the same things in your life as well. When we persevere. We're inviting change into our life. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity for us to go to God and for us to lift up our prayers and our petitions to him. I encourage each and every one of you, as I said at the outset of this message, to think, what is that one thing that I want God so desperately to move in my life and and to, to show up in this situation? And maybe today you can ask God to give you the strength to persevere just a little while longer ask God to hold, help you hold tight until that answer comes. Whatever it is that God's laying on your heart, this is the opportunity, this is the time to step out in faith and obedience to him. Let me pray with you as we go to our time of invitation. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do, and Father, thank you for the opportunity and the privilege of coming to you in prayer. Father, we thank you that we have a chance to come before your throne and lay any and every prayer before your feet. And Lord, thank you that we know that you'll answer. Father, I pray that you will help each and every one of, one of us here today to know that an answer is coming. May not be what we want, but we know that you will answer. Lord, help us persevere. And Lord, we will give you all the praise, all the glory for your answer and your provisions. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.